If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. I wit. I'm Daniel. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. And it's time to get lost in the wild. Somewhere in Park Slope. From a bedroom. Somewhere in Sunnyside. This is Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm Alan Danziger. I'm Rachel Teichman. We bring this program to you every week as a means to learn a little bit about how you got from there to here by listening with fresh ears to your rare, unreleased, or just downright dusty sounds from the vaults. If you, like our guests this week, would like to reveal these sounds to the world and maybe get a little embarrassed with us, just maybe uh, a little embarrassed, email the show at lostandrewound at radiofreebrooklyn.org. Yeah, Rachel, how are you feeling today? You know, I got some some of those freshest ears you were talking about straight off the vine. Going to listen to whatever these tracks we have here today. I'm excited. I am too. Our guests this week are Prawit Surawat and Daniel Durst, who together create sounds under the name Wit and Daniel. They released their first album, Wit and Daniel Make a Record Volume 1, in 2018, and they released Volume 2 earlier this summer. The duo experiments with the tactile essence of organized sound by improvising compositions grounded in touch, texture, and space. Joining us virtually from their homes in the Brooklyn area, right? We, we guys are in Brooklyn, right? Brooklyn, so to, yeah. yeah to We're talk all about, neighbors. To talk about their new album as well as some much older compositions. Welcome to Lost and Rewound, Wit and Daniel. Oh, thank you so much for having us. You guys are uh, self-isolating uh, from your current abodes. Are, are you guys uh, neighbors in, 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 in truth, or are you in separate ends of the city? We're in, in different parts, sort of. I'm in, I'm in Bed-Stuy. I'm uh, in, like, Gowanus, Orem Hill-ish neighborhood. Oh, shit. You're, like, right around the corner from me, man. Yeah, Damn. we're, we're pretty, pretty close. Yeah. And Wit is like a three-mile walk from where I am, so it's like a, a, a triangle. A walk, yeah. though. You would you walk. you you walk or, around. You or I, or bike. I, I, <laughs> I like. I wasn't walking. Yeah, I mean, I like not walking. in this heat. Shit, I I can't. <laughs> I, I can only imagine. Friends of mine are cycling all over the place, and I'm thinking to myself, that is literally the best way to get around these days because the train, the bus could just fuck off. I don't know how to walk. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I understand I, that. I, I know this because I've given you a ride. <laughs> it's helpful. Um, guys, this is fantastic stuff that you are making in this uh, current album of yours. You guys released this in June. Um, were you planning to release volume two this year, COVID notwithstanding? Yeah, we actually planned to release it in April originally. 
we recorded it in 2019, I think. Yeah, January 2019. Yeah. Um, so the original plan was to do, you know, a release in April. We had like a CD release show all booked and everything. And then, um, you know, at the end of March, everything got canceled. So uh, where was yeah. the show supposed to be held originally? Uh, Pete's Candy Store. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. We've, we've had a good relationship with them. Um, yeah. Doing a lot of shows there and doing it. We did some recordings there too that mm -hmm. are sitting on our computers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you guys uh, normally do a show, is the smaller the space, the better usually for what you guys are trying to accomplish? Um, most of the venues we played are pretty small. And a lot of the sounds we go for live, can, they can be really loud, but they can also be really quiet. And a lot of our most intimate moments are really quiet moments and uh yeah i think sometimes a small space really suits like quiet vibes the best there are moments where it picks up in a, a lot of amazing sort of dissonance and it must make for such a visceral experience yeah. when you're in yeah. that kind of a small yeah. space <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah i mean we do things like we when we say tactile we, we literally mean like we might just touch the instruments and it's you know very difficult to hear that in a big concert venue yeah sure. um unless you're miking it directly you guys have been around in this diy music scene uh, in the new york city area for quite some years can you speak upon first experiences going to see shows that really touched on you and inspired you to create the music you're making i mean yeah there'll be places where we'd see like uh ikoe mori or uh, people like charmaine lee they'd be in like different spaces like there's uh arte arete arete Arete, yeah, there'd be Arete, and then, but then even in bigger spaces, like uh, we see artists in the kind of more avant-garde noise genre, just kind of like doing amazing shows, or like places like The Stone too, doing really awesome things. It's interesting seeing artists like Daniel mentioned play in both like a basement somewhere, or like like this. There used to this, be this place called The Glove that was around for mm -hmm. a couple yeah. years, oh, and it was just like a yeah. like a room. Un yeah <laughs> unfinished room um and seeing like some experimental artists play there and then seeing them also play at a place like national sawdust or something yeah. where it's like super produced and totally treated room but all those sounds come out differently in those spaces and they're all improvisers so they're they're using that space um to create and i think that's been a pretty big influence on us is being able to immediately treat every room as part of the instrument a lot of artists it takes time to like deal with that that information to deal with the we're in a new space and what do we do with it and then the the artists that we admire i think really go in and at it immediately and can kind of see how to deal with their experience right up front without having to explore as much and kind of like directly connect with the audience so it's very adaptive mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah speak upon how that process first began Daniel and I were, we went to jazz school, you know, learning to play jazz and stuff. Where, um, here in the city? Yeah, at the the new school. I had like a little recording set up back then and uh, we lived in this dorm over on 12th Street and I think Daniel, you you wanted, you had, uh, you were doing an audition or something and we decided oh, yeah. to just record Yeah, we record just sort of things. like, yeah, I needed like a, a recording for like the next day. I was like, oh, wait, like I know you got mics. I know we play well together, but maybe we should make something for this audition. And then, yeah, that was kind of the first time we played, like, uh, I think a free improvisation together. 
was like on that recording, which is somewhere in like my hard drive somewhere. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's hiding somewhere. Yeah, you know, we were in a tiny room, so we had one microphone, and just kind of, we just kind of like set up around it, almost touching. You know, like so it was. You know, we couldn't really isolate, and we just played. I think we we might have you know being in school and stuff, we might have played some jazz standards in this kind of like context, like kind of playing it freely. Our influences were all over the place back then, so it was kind of interesting to start to get to know each other more. Like we we were friends, and we obviously we chose to live e- with each other in this dorm room, but we like I don't think we had played that much together, and this was the first time where we kind of like started to understand each other musically. I feel like it's a good time to listen to uh, the opening track to uh, your new album entitled Glow. beautiful it's simply gorgeous tell um, me about your cello well i'm playing the upright bass the double bass oh that's what it is okay yeah yeah but um for that type of sounds i was really influenced by a cellist named oak young lee yeah and i was just experimenting with using different like pressure points with how, how hard you like place the bow onto the strings and trying to use sounds created with that as like uh as like themes i guess is yeah <laughs> it's awesome thank you what specifically in that uh wit were you uh inspired by to uh, you know was there like some kind of feeling that you had when you were going with composing the uh guitar chords for that particular song it's hard to remember this whole album is completely improvised so i think in that moment i was trying to channel some inspirations from this guitar player named ben monder um in terms of sound and texture and kind of that kind of thing and then um, at the time, I was listening to a lot of like Messian. Um, he had synesthesia and like salt colors went with, wow. um, cool. with his stuff and had an interesting harmonic palette. One of the first guys that was kind of, um, it was like kind of 
going towards the atonal world, but everything was still based in tonality and doing these new crazy things. And he was super obsessed with math and stuff. Um, so yeah, him and then this other composer named Morton Feldman, who was really into like quiet, slow moving things. Um, I was just getting into him. So I was kind of trying to emulate those things in terms of influences. A lot of your music is rooted in a lot of atonality. And what's fascinating to me is, is what you speak upon before about, you know, the kind of colors that you are uh, trying to create out of that atonality. Um, it's really brilliant when you could create something that is making you feel certain colors, certain like smells, certain uh, uh, sights, certain uh, sound, like things that like experiences of where it brings you with improvising. Obviously, it's going to be totally different. Uh, but when you hear back, when you listen back to what you did, does it conjure up like a sensory, uh, some place that you feel like you might be? Oh, definitely. Uh, I think that's 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 one of our goals is to kind of um, subvert the idea of like, oh, this is like this is a major chord, this is a minor chord, <laughs> this is a this is the form of a tune. You know, we're trying to directly get to those senses. And it's funny because you know all these things are improvised, so when we go back to listen to all these takes, you know, we, we spent like 12 hours in the studio for this recording um, and just improvised the entire time. So not really knowing what the what we had come up with a couple of weeks later when we listened back to everything to name the tracks, that's kind of how we end up going about with titling is how, how these things feel. So for example, this track Glow made me kind of feel like um, there's a scene in this in this. TV show that came out a couple like last year or something Chernobyl where like the sky is glowing because of all the radioactive material so it kind of made me think of that it made me kind of have that sense of like it's like a really beautiful like vision but it's it kind of burns a little bit that's kind of the thing that came to mind with this track do you ever go into improving with a specific mood or vision in mind uh sometimes like sometimes We'll improvise a lot of things in a certain mood and we'll make a point to like, okay, let's contrast it. Let's do something in like a totally different emotion or mood or frame of mind. And then sometimes uh, we try to contrast it with just like different things. Like, okay, let's try to make something really short and try to like create a whole arc or piece in like maybe a couple minutes. Like little tricks like that are helpful in the studio to get to different places in that kind of way. Thank you for letting us play that. And, uh, you know, if people want to listen to the whole album, they can on Bandcamp uh, at witanddaniel.bandcamp.com. I should note at this time uh, that the, all the proceeds for purchasing that album go towards the Loveland Foundation and to Afrotechtopia. That's super awesome that you guys are doing that. There's a lot of music that we're going to be hearing this hour. We'll start with you, Wit. First of all, how long have uh, you been nicknamed Wit? Uh, probably since like middle school, so 2004 or something yeah. like that. You know, uh, but it was it was a, it, it uh, came up in middle school though. Yeah, yeah, some, somewhere around there. So dope. Yeah, I've been I've gone um, by a couple of different names. I went by my my middle name for all of ele elementary school, and then realized that that was not my first name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Where were you brought up? Uh, I grew up sort of in North Carolina and Maryland. My dad's in the military, so I moved around on the East Coast a lot. Your dad wasn't involved in music at all, or, or was he? Uh, was there anybody uh, in your family in general that uh, shared your love? 
My uncle was a guitar player and drummer, but no immediate family was that into music. My uncle was a big supporter of me going into music and like kind of helped me out by like he gave me a guitar and directed me in some ways to figuring out taste and things and like he got me turned on to like progressive metal and things. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, you have like first albums that you remember uh, uh delving into. Yeah. Well, so he mailed me my first electric guitar and in that pack he gave me 10 CDs. Um and I remember one of them was Dream Theater uh, yes. Images and Words. Oh their shit. First record. Oh my god. That's yeah. so big. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I of... saw I've seen them twice, so I'm I'm, I'm of all the oh, yeah. progressive bands you could have named, I'm like, yes, I know that one a right. lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh it's kind of funny. Um but as uh, you know, I was like ten, uh, got got that record and it's kind of uh, insane to hear people playing at that kind of level. I mean, you, you can think of it as, as being a little um on the nose nowadays, but it's it's really high level playing and getting that so early in my music education is pretty intense you know? this first track we're gonna be hearing is called stomp on me made in high school yeah yeah it was the towards the end of high school um this point was... you're like a virtuoso no i don't know <laughs> you, you might you might have been you were in maryland or north carolina in maryland i was okay. in maryland at the time i had decided to go to music school i was kind of getting into these guys like like periphery these guys that basically recorded albums in their homes, like metal, technical metal albums in their homes with like programming drums and stuff. So I was, I was kind of like, oh, I wonder if I can do that. And this was like kind of an attempt at doing it. But um, I also had like a really big amp for some reason. It really felt good to play it really loud. So that this was kind of an exploration in that aspect. Also trying to figure out how to record it with a microphone and get the whole sound and all that kind of. Where stuff. where did you record it? You said you recorded it in, in your my, garage, in my basement. In your basement, uh, yeah, in Maryland. Um, it was we had like there's it divide it gets divided into two rooms. The amp was in one room, and then I was in the other room, um, playing and recording with the, the laptop. Look at that! You got like a whole makeshift studio set up just in high school. Damn. <laughs> I yeah. love it. All right, well, on that note, let us listen to Stomp on Me, and uh, we'll have our thoughts after. <laughs>
All right, that that was pretty rocking. Uh huh. I never heard that. That was that was awesome, man. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, I'm into that. I th- was, I think it was flaming. How flaming was it, Rachel? It was so flaming that I am literally on fire right now. Whoa, she's on fire. Um. Okay. Um. Never mind that. That was all you. Yeah. Uh. Everything. So I played all the guitar and then played bass on a keyboard thing you know um and then the drums were mostly programmed but i think all the crash symbols are just me hitting a crash symbol recording <laughs> crash symbol. so um i don't okay. know a lot of this was just trying to figure out how to record stuff yeah so, no know. i mean it sounded i mean that was an experiment that worked because uh it sounded super profesh this is like a solo ep of sorts yeah, so I was. It was like a solo EP that I was like, "Oh, maybe I should release something when I graduate high school," because that seemed to be the thing that everyone was doing. Um, but nah, I recorded it either the end of my junior year of high school or like in my senior year or something like that. It's it's hard to remember now. Um, yeah, it was it was like a frustrating time because I was graduating from uh, science and math school and was like trying to do music and. Um, I had a I had a high school rock band and stuff, and like I had friends that pl- I played with, but I didn't really have the community of musicians that I wanted to be in at the time. I was gonna say, like, were you the more or less the only musician in your group of friends? Not not necessarily, but um, I was kind of the only one that wanted to, you know, do it seriously, like go to school for it and yeah. study music, and not just play in high school and then go get a job. The, the kind of tone that this song had, was this the real wit or was this just like a wit that you were channeling for the song? It's like you're the inner demons of your own right, soul. Right. Yeah, I think the, th- the funny thing is that I've talked to some people about is the I'm generally kind of soft-spoken and not very, uh, I guess, bombastic or anything. But it's uh, I think those are parts of me that are real. Um it's just I don't really, I think in normal conversation and communication, I'm, I'm I don't really have the tools to express that. So music it ha- has been for me a way to let those things like come into some form, um, even though it's not, I guess, quote unquote, like through me, if that makes sense. I can barely raise my voice, so the fact that I can play guitar really loud is a nice way to let let that happen you know yeah. <laughs> so. i get that yeah what thoughts went through your head daniel listening to this i was just like impressed that uh, a high schooler getting those guitar tones it's like i'd never heard that but i knew wit was really into that type of music like like always so i, I wasn't expect it wasn't like totally out of the blue but uh, yeah I- i'm very impressed thanks man uh we're gonna take it back a couple of years before you made this song we have an even earlier song from uh, you and uh, this is the band that you were just mentioning before that you did this oh. uh, next song with no no or no, no. The, um this was just the i i recorded it for a school project on my own i went to this magnet program uh, it's a long story it's it's like a science and math magnet program and yeah they were doing this thing trying to um get prospective students to apply to the program from around the county and also probably showcase some things to people who would donate money there were five classrooms in our part of the school and each one had a different science teacher or math teacher doing a presentation 
this teacher wanted to do a presentation on pendulums and how pendulums worked so I wrote a song for because he's also really into like uh, we like sing along and do sing alongs in his class and it's like stuff about chemistry and really silly things I can't I'm so sorry any of those songs yeah um, <laughs> uh, Mr. Chapman uh, that's that's the teacher um, he was like Oh yeah, wait, you play guitar. Why don't you write a song about pendulums for us? Okay. I had an old grandfather clock But the pendulum wouldn't swing fast enough You're writing about time and that you wish that the periods were shorter and that you wanted to get some snacks, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, right. that's, that's real high school shit right there. It's funny. I, I forgot how much this was. So um, in Maryland, uh, the big like rock band that was like everyone's hero in, when I was in high school was All Time Low. Yeah. Um, and by, you know, by relation Blink-182 and all that stuff. So there's like a big pop punk scene there and i forgot that that was probably a part of what i was listening to at the time you were listening um, to it yeah yeah it's silly the, the the whole track is just about like um how to make a pendulum swing slower or faster with physics by cutting it like different people trying different ways to make it swing and it doesn't work you, you were singing on this track do you like hearing your singing voice generally i don't like singing or like listening to my singing voice but when I found this track, I was surprised by how not cringy I was feeling. Recent takes of me singing, I, I'm like, oh, man, turn it <laughs> off. But this was like, okay, not that I'm like singing well or anything. It's like a pretty simple melody. But it was interesting to hear my younger voice trying to make it out. You could, you can kind of hear me like straining. And that's, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, I think I did the recording like 50 takes to get the vocal part it's like a bunch of pieces pieced together because yeah. i don't know wasn't a singer so your that's perfectionism though man <laughs> 50 takes i mean the goal was that i didn't have to sing it a bunch of times in class or like in the presentation but that didn't end up working i had to sing it along with the recording so how did your peers react to this were they brutal or were they good to you everyone thought it was funny and I think at the time too, I had this the bass player in the in the band that was mentioned before. Pieces of Mercury is the name of the band. Um, we had a, it's a good name. We had like a thanks. <laughs> we had a little joke side project where we wrote joke songs. So this was very much in that vibe. And not that I remember, not not too much ridicule. Good. Um, there was a band in high school that their sole purpose was to make fun of me and my band. Did they oh. call themselves Drops of Jupiter? No, they they called themselves Shards of Uranus. 
I, I like I was literally like thinking to myself that, that when you told me the band I was thinking to myself that sounds like a train song so let me just throw this out there and then you took it all yeah. um, <laughs> bits of Mars but, but, uh, yeah. the whole of Pluto I don't know yeah. shards of your anus though that 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 tops it uh, I mean it's funny they made a whole they made a MySpace and everything of course um, they did. And they like would take my band's songs at the time and then rewrite lyrics to it. Oh, what? Man, that's that's and, mean as hell. <laughs> yeah. So like. This is like, like a form of flattery, though. In a way, yeah. At the time, I don't think I was. I yeah. Under- no. Understood how funny wow. I was, but it's hilarious <laughs> now. Um, that's, that's, that's such a level of devotion of yeah. trying to like put people on blast for how good they are at music that you'd be like we're gonna create our own well we're the misfits our songs are better we are the misfits the misfits when i when i came into high school they were upperclassmen and i was that you know they were in a progressive metal and super into dream theater and i remember sure. hearing some of their earlier music and it was like wow this is awesome so i think that was part of it having having them decide to not do the awesome music and make fun of my band was kind of heartbreaking at first, but uh, it's it's hilarious. All of it's hilarious. <laughs> Would you want to get Weird Al? <laughs> oh yeah, if Weird Al could do something, um, it's career goals right music, there. Yeah, yeah. Find a way to hit the accordion at like different places that you don't normally <laughs> hit the accordion. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick breather. When we return, uh, Daniel, you're up to bat. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is Lost and Rewound. On Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air. Support independent community media by pledging whatever you can. All contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Please support with a monthly pledge or one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Welcome back, everybody, or one person, whomever you may be, rocking it out with us here on a Thursday afternoon for Lost and Rewound. And uh, if you want to listen to any of our past episodes, all of our episodes can be found up on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash lost and rewound as well as on apple podcasts uh the easiest way to listen to all of our episodes you can merely go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash lar hey daniel there's a a song that you created with a fellow classmate of yours well what is it uh opus number one right do i have the number i have the number right this was there there was are there... no other opuses it's just There's... just the one but we okay. left it open in case we resume the project <laughs> this is a 14 minute track we are not going to play the entire 14 minutes we are going to play a f- hey, no i mean we, we 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 could if we had the time but hey this is a 59 minute show i mean we gotta gotta get to the, the, the nitty gritty here you were kind enough to give me uh, some timestamps, so we're gonna kind of delve into the overall piece a bit by bit and listen to just a few portions of it uh talk a little bit about though first before we listen to the first part the beginnings and how this uh came to be so my friend elena and i we played in a band called squeaky clean and the sea enemy which was sort of like a synth pop band with like our other friend cash 
And Elena and I were in this music technology class where the whole point was to learn Pro Tools and make something, like just record anything. It was my senior year and I didn't have too many other classes going on. So I was like, let's just make a very long piece that kind of encompassed all the things we like. Because at the time I liked a lot of different stuff and was playing in a lot of different types of projects. And I am now to this day still doing like a couple of different things, but we wanted to make something that encompassed all of the things we liked in music into like one song, basically. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. Were you playing music uh, for years before this came about? Um, I think, yeah, in like middle school and stuff, I was into like taiko drums. And taiko drums? It's like an old Japanese drums made out of like uh, cowhide. They're like really loud. Like you hear them a lot in like kung fu movies, but they're just like <laughs> loud, thunderous drums that uh, are played like in sync, basically. And yeah, I, I like so really cool. visceral loud things was anybody in your family involved in music uh or how who who uh bestowed these uh cowhide drums to you neither of my parents are musicians but they both really love music so there's a lot of like movie soundtracks were big growing up and then also like michael jackson and joni mitchell and uh some coltrane and stuff so i, I was listening to a lot of music as a kid but uh, uh neither of my parents were like you should do this yeah I just watched some kung fu movies and I was like, I want to make those sounds. <laughs> For this first part, are there certain inspirations that uh, we might be able to uh, catch? At the time, we were really into this band called The Magnetic Fields. Oh, yeah? yeah. I like that band. Yeah, they had an album called 69 Love Songs where everything was like kind of funny, but like it, lots of contrasting styles. Brilliant album. Yeah. Yeah. And we, were, we just liked funny things. And... That was, a, I think, a main influence for this particular project.
that is a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's cool, man. <laughs> what kind of vibe did you get from it, Rachel? That's what I'm trying to place it on. It reminds me of like in a TV show when you're trying to be sneaky. Yeah. 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 Oh my god, that's totally right. That's like the scene uh, in the show where like they're sneaking around trying to not get caught, and that's like the moment where they're like the comeuppance. I think is the word I'm looking. It for. reminds me of an episode of Full House, actually. A very special episode of Full House. Every episode is a very special episode. <laughs> okay, what is it? I think it's where Stephanie has a cold or something, and she's trying to like sneak out to school or whatever. Or no, it's when she has the chicken pox. That's a different episode. And she oh, yeah. tries to sneak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's not good. She shouldn't be doing that. Don't 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 spread that disease, uh, Steph, <laughs> on a very special episode. Wow. Um, yeah, it was very playful. I see where you were getting with the Stephen Merritt uh, influence, Dan. That was accordion sounds being made with uh, like a synth, though, right? So like the uh, synth was you were using that to make all those sounds? I think it was a, like a small Casio that we were Amazing. able to like plug into the, the <sighs> my heart i love it ah it's so great that's beautiful like just the kind of playfulness that comes with that um yeah i felt like it could be like a video game but like a specific yeah. like a some sort of uh um rpg type of of realm where um i'm exploring the town not necessarily like going out and the fighting in the world but when i'm like going out in town uh after hours and asking about like clues to get oh, yeah. me to the next uh, part of the journey. Isn't that, you know what I'm saying? Mo- yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. that makes very much lot of sense to me. <laughs> Wait, what went through your head hearing that? Oh, I thought it was awesome. It's like I can hear so much of Daniel's. Uh, like he approaches everything with a very like composer kind of way. Everything's like very patient, and when you hear the things put together, it's so. Um, how should I put this? Uh, everything's in its right place like every moment is right when when it's supposed to happen every instrument gets introduced and it's 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 really it's really mature i think for especially for um like a high school project like when you're when you're introduced to a lot of these elements a lot of times you're like oh i want to try everything and this has a lot of elements in it but it's it's not it's composed in a way that's that's really effective and um yeah it's awesome oh thank you man yeah. <laughs> uh, we have the second track that I believe you entitled Doo-Wop. Um, this isn't That Thing by Lauren Hill, but this is some other kind of doo-wop. Uh, what, yeah. what, what, talk to us a little bit about what to expect from this one. Uh, my friend Elena, at this time, I think still, but she was really into like just old school doo-wop and just like how cheesy it was. And like the lyrics were just so overtly romantic and just like ooey. This was very much inspired by like some old school doo-wop recordings that we're trying to uh, uh, capture that vibe. My heart is already expanding five times before the song even begins. So uh, my body is officially ready. Rach? <laughs> my body is ready. jumps. Yes, even robots have hearts. When we hold hands, my circuits break, my motherboard throbs. I want you, I need you, 
never let me go, go. Far out. Far when, when did you write fuck that? Out. That was 2011, senior year of high school, so I was like 18 or so. Yeah, there. <laughs> I don't know about you, so I got a very specific flashback from that to middle school where we would be in various media classes and by far, the single funniest thing that a person could do would be to type something and have it speech to text or text oh, to yeah. speech. Yeah. And everything about that was that for me. Yeah. Like that whole thing. Yeah, we just like screen recorded like whatever sound was in like text edit or word, like whichever one yeah. made sounds and we tried to like fit it to the grid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who was right? Was it you were the one who was writing or you were playing the music and then Elena uh, wrote the sort of the, as you were saying, she was the one who was more like inspired by the doo-wop sort of stuff? I think she did write some, I think I did contribute some of the lyrics, but the, the idea for like having a computer stay like just like cheesy do up stuff was entirely hers. Bravo. That was brilliant. The accent there was the sort of the ding, like the chime sort of situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I had no idea where it was going. And then it just yeah. totally surprised me. It was. Yeah. Musically, I thought it was great. Yeah. What did you think, Wit? I think it was deep. <laughs> <laughs> this is several levels, layers there. Um, no, man, I'm just, I'm super impressed by the, the production of it and like the way things are put together. It's just really, it's really cool. I'm trying to like figure out what all the sounds are and stuff too. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's cool. 
We had like a cool. uh, real glockenspiel that we like recorded. Okay, and that's, then, that's okay. That's what I was hearing. Yeah. yeah. There's Shit. some, and then there's some like thump. Like my at my parents' house for some reason they just have like a bunch of thumb pianos. <laughs> so we just like close mic them, and you can't change the key of thumb pianos. So we were just like, okay, this is the song, this in this key because like we can't do anything about it. But um, yeah, yeah. No, thumb pianos basically come as like one uh, note, right? Or I mean, you, because they're just the little tiny. Yeah, they're uh, just a little tiny, like uh, little like uh, metal things that kind of bounce up and down. But they, you just yeah. get like one major scale, like just like a G major scale or something. And, yeah. So you, your parents weren't musicians, but they just had a bunch of thumb pianos around. Yeah, my parents just kind of like like to just like collect. Just kind of random stuff. What, wait, what, what did what did your parents do? I'm curious. Um, my mom, she had a bunch of different jobs, but she like uh was like a caterer for a while, and then worked in insurance, and then my dad owned like a bookstore. Somebody who has a bookstore, there's like there's sort of this innate need or uh, love of just like keeping around like little interesting artifacts of sorts, maybe yeah, a collection sort of vibe. Yeah, my dad definitely likes like collecting stuff. It was nice to have like a bunch of just like random instruments just to like play around, like uh, that were just like at our disposal all the time. That was that was nice. Okay, we have time for one more of these, and this is the ending, the culmination uh, yeah. of a fourteen-minute opus number one. Uh, what could we expect with this one? Um, I think the idea was this one was to take all the elements of that happened before and try to like combine them into like some kind of cacophonous climactic point you have a section in here for blues you have a section here with beatbox so what you're saying is is that the ending is going to include the exploring the town with a blues feeling and some doo-wop uh, robots and then some beatboxing um i can't remember if all of those things come up but I, we we attempted to do that <laughs> that was our uh that was our goal to like sum everything up <laughs> Let's end strong.
I need this to be in the Museum of Modern Art. <laughs> oh, wow. That was uh, so incredible. I like I, I get it. I now I get it, like between the both of you now, especially, but even with you, Daniel, the uh the attention to just creating so many things to be paying attention to all at the same time. It's truly remarkable seeing that um, the beginnings of that in this music. It's, I mean, it's truly remarkable. Thank you. Thank you. There's so much going on there. There was a glockenspiel. There was the keyboard. There was the talking. There was the bass. It's just, it's, it's hitting you and it's not all necessarily all, um, in sync, it's all just sort of going at its own pace. It's chaotic, but I love it. I'm a fan of soundscapes, and that that is some controlled chaos right there, man. Yeah, I remember we like borrowed the like yeah yeah part from like the duop part, which is in like a different key, and then our teacher got really mad because like why didn't you like transpose it into the key of this? It's like nah, like we have to <laughs> preserve yeah. like the the dissonance between them. <laughs> <laughs> When you hear each other's music, does it give you pause to sort of reflect and realize and recognize just uh, what kind of musicians each uh, of you are to, and uh, collaborators each are, you are to each other to uh, make the music that you're making now? Yeah. Um, like I was saying earlier, I feel like there's a lot of elements in this that kind of drew me to Daniel's playing when we first met and we first started playing together. That being said, like in a completely different idiom, you know, like we met playing in a jazz school playing jazz music that teachers were telling us to play, which totally overshadowed any kind of like what we were doing before college. And I had no idea that Daniel did this stuff, but it all like listening back to it, it all makes sense. It's almost a better representation of who we are, I think, than what we, what we, how we were introduced to each other. It's kind of interesting to think back on it that way, that these things are kind of more revealing of who we truly are. Yeah, definitely. Like, like Wit and I both like now we both play like a lot of different types of music and then I listen back to like what Wit was making in high school and it's like oh yeah that sounds like Wit like no matter what kind of like style or idiom Wit does it's like yeah that's, that's Wit I, I know I know that I know that voice somewhere. We're both involved like Daniel said like in a lot of different projects like Daniel is in a lot of um, bands that play around New York and I play with a lot of singer songwriters and I compose like film music and stuff. But when we come together, we don't do a lot of planning, you know, and it's not a lot of um, it's just like, OK, we're going to meet and talk. And then that's the record, you know, right. um, um, in a musical way. But uh, no, you're banging it out. It's improvisation. And that, like any good jazz music, uh, it really just is left to sort of feel the vibe and see where what comes from it. Yeah. So I th- I think having like having this experience talking with you guys, hearing each other in this sense, will definitely have some kind of. Um, impact on how we interact with each other in the future so that's super um, sweet man thank you for saying that yeah if you want uh out there to purchase the album volume two by wit and daniel again that address is wit and daniel w-i-t-a-n-d daniel dot bandcamp dot com slash album slash v-o-l dash two they're also uh, up on soundcloud uh your uh, SoundCloud is soundcloud.com slash prawit, P-R-A-W-I-T music uh, is your username up on SoundCloud. Are there any other uh, uh, plugs that you guys want to get out there uh, that I missed? Volume 1 is also on Spotify. Um, and 
uh daniel do you want to plug any of your groups or anything uh no nah, no nah, uh yeah volume one's on spotify volume two is Bandcamp only and we've been doing some like uh zoom performances that right. will probably continue in the future so uh keep an eye out for that daniel and i've been playing using zoom as a um as the medium to perform telematically or networked music i guess you could call it across um like from our homes is that what they're calling it these days networked music yeah networked music or oh, uh, god yeah. <laughs> help us all god help us all um but in the meantime uh we are uh, extremely fortunate that uh we got to hear uh, all both sounds old and new uh from you gentlemen uh wit and daniel being our guests this week on lost and rewound thank you guys so much thank you thank you thank you, thank you for having us Rachel, uh, did you uh, want to plug anything super quickly? Yeah. Welcome to Research Rebuttal Podcast, the podcast where two stubborn friends prove each other wrong. And that's exactly what you'll hear if you head to your nearest podcast shop and download Research Rebuttal Podcast, hosted by myself and my best friend, Paige Dempster. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll cringe. It's a great time. You might even get rebutted. Thank you for doing that. It, it is going to be a, a lot of fun uh, when you get a chance to listen to your girl, Rachel, and her friend, Paige. Uh, Paige uh, actually is going to contribute something to our show on the visual tip. So be on the lookout for that with relevant links very soon. My name is Alon Danziger. I'm Rachel Teichman. That is Rachel. And from the basement here in Park Slope and from the uh, place out, the, the place, your bedroom over in Sunnyside, we bid you adieu for this edition of Lost and Around. This has been episode 221. Mel and Arm will catch you here next week from 3 to 4 p.m. here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Bye-bye. Playman. <laughs> you would say that you weirdo love you no to, yeah. to, but wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> sorry i have a, a weird story about people who uh, dress up as rugs and then have people walk on oh. them that's the immediately the thought that that's a very oh, new york idea <laughs> it's totally new york idea